0: Hello, everyone. I am Harry Foku, and I connect businesses in the gaming industry with Freelance Tech Solutions, and I'm your host. Welcome, everyone, to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Margaret Meesters, producer at Coffee Stain Studios, Eleanor Russell, engineering manager at Unity, to Toby Tumler, head of people at Clang Games, and Paula Cow, senior 3D animator at Palindrome Interactive, to discuss... How do you keep your studio happy? Before we begin, let's start with some introductions. Margit, can you kick us off?
1: Yes, I can. Uh, hello, my name is uh, Margit Meisters and uh, I'm currently working as a producer at uh, Coffee Stain Studios in uh, Höfte. Uh, I'm pr- probably pronouncing that wrong. Sorry, Swedish people. <laughs> um, and I work on the game uh, Satisfactory at the moment.
0: Lovely. Toby.
2: I'm Toby. Um, I'm a psychologist and I've just started with Clung Games about three months ago as a head of people. I come from a more corporate background, having worked for KPMG, Lufthansa and Bosch in the past. Also had a bit of a, um, a, a bit of time in, in leadership development with my own consultancy, HR consultancy company. And my question later on is really related to this change in industry and focused on the game industry, but benefits passing it back to you, Harry. Awesome. And Ellie?
3: Hi, I'm Ellie. I am currently an engineering manager at Unity. I have a background as a graphics engineer in the games industry. I used to work for one of Microsoft's studios before I joined Unity. Um, And I'm based in Cambridge in the UK.
0: Awesome, and finally, Paula.
4: Hi, Uh, hi, I'm Paula. Uh, I am senior animator at Palindro Interactive, uh, currently for an unannounced project. Also in Sweden, and same city as Mahhi that I will also butcher uh, and I am originally from Argentina being in Sweden for two years now
0: fantastic lovely so let's start Toby, what is your question and the context behind it?
2: as uh, just mentioned, uh, I'm new to the game industry and I'm quite confident in in reading job descriptions that are on the market and uh, understanding uh, for me as a candidate what do i want when i start somewhere uh, in a company but i appreciate that in every in different industry candidates and people expect different benefits from their employer to be given to so i'm really wondering what benefits should a tech or gaming company provide to their employees to keep them happy lovely i want to margaret
0: to start on this one margaret what do you think
1: I think the the question is quite layered because it also depends on where the studio is located in the world. Sometimes there are certain laws that uh, uh, basically means that uh, employers have like certain rights. Like I know here in Sweden, uh, I cannot remember any of the Swedish names. So I'm sorry, I don't know them all (laughs) officially by law. But I know, for example, in Sweden, it's very common that you can... Uh, exercise an hour a week on company's time for example or uh, that uh, uh, stuff like uh, doing overtime or uh, crunch work is not uh, legal in certain countries Uh, so it's very hard to say but i think in general most developers probably really appreciate uh, companies that have benefits uh uh, such as like being able to maintain a work and life balance by not having to do overtime or crunches, so having like either a zero-tolerance policy or at least uh, really keeping that stuff to a very, very, very low minimum. Uh, I think that's probably something that uh, uh, I notice uh, a lot of developers really look out for when they want to apply for a new job. That's a question that oftentimes gets asked around.
0: Awesome. What do you think, Ola?
4: Um, yeah, same, uh, in general, like work-life balance as we are aging with the industry because it's quite young. You, you start seeing that everyone over 30 something starts valuing, like getting your workout scene because your body is not uh, reacting the same to the eight or nine hours, uh, sitting, uh, in a hunch position. Uh, and I would say with the same importance, uh, personal development time because it, everything is changing so fast that I know some companies offer one day a week or, or some hours a week uh, to to expand the skill set on that uh, I think that's quite valuable
0: Lovely, Ellie, thoughts?
3: Um, really for me I find quite often companies will offer a huge arrays of benefits but a lot of them are only valuable to like very few numbers of employees or they just feel very superfluous like i don't really care if you have a great selection of fresh fruit every morning in the office i could go and get myself fruit i don't need that as my benefit i would much rather have a a good compensation packet i would rather have a good company contribution to my pension i would rather have the option for flexible working hours and being able to you know get some more time back to spend on my life but my life work balance. That being said, I think in the tech industry, there's definitely a lot of benefits that are kind of becoming the the expected standard. So um, the biggest ones are your health care and like a gym membership, some sort of sports thing. Um, and I know I've worked for companies where they've, they've put on like a yoga class once a week and things. And it's like, that's really wonderful for the 10 people that go. But then you have like the the other 90 employees who aren't interested in doing yoga. So I think um, perhaps looking at uh, benefits that are more flexible and allow people some choice in that. So so something where, where perhaps it's a, you can have up to a certain amount of, of money towards a gym membership or a sports club or new 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 sports equipment or you want to go for a massage or you want to spend it on some sort of wellness activity or a painting class. You know, having that flexibility there makes it a lot more valuable to all of the employees. But at the end of the day, if the, the actual base pay package is not covering my needs, that's going to be the number one decider on whether I where to stay in a job or not that's that's far more important than all of these extras on top and i i worry sometimes that i see these companies yeah offering things that just feel a bit um a bit like sparkle but without any substance to them
2: got it toby
0: what have been your thoughts
2: and i like the aspect of the fresh fruit basket just after i i joined Klanger posted on linkedin and said i'd never think i'd join a, a startup and whenever i saw on a job ad we've got fresh fruit fruit baskets uh i frowned mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, really fresh fruit baskets is that all in quotation marks that you can offer um i i, I think I a lot of valuable aspects one for me being learning the different country expectations that people might have coming from Sweden, being able legally there to work on uh, on their own personal development projects and taking this into consideration. Mm. I think something like tech equipment is something that I've heard in the past, people mentioning being very important to them to have flexibility in choosing. But I think for you, this would just be regular normal, which for me is new, coming from a different industry uh, and background. Um, and I still need to put some thought in how can you, like this flexibility, uh, Ellie, that you proposed in, in these benefits to make it good for every individual, not just for a small group of people. How do we put this into job ed would be my follow up question for myself in the future. Like, how do you show this flexibility without sounding too flowery and be like, you can do whatever you want and we support you in it um, as an employer. Um, so I think this is a tricky bit because every I'm currently hiring for a senior talent acquisition specialist and whenever I ask them, so when you try to pitch the company, clung to, to our candidates, what do you do? You say, oh, I go on about the benefits package. But if everyone has the same kind of benefits, then you know um, that's a bit tricky. Um, but I do agree with the aspects of promoting the actual work conditions. Um, people not regularly having to work overtime um, um, just with certain deadlines come up and so on. So I think that's all good. Thank you for the input. Nice.
0: Uh, I might chime in here because I'm thinking from the candidates I chat to. uh, Like, I guess... Kind of back to what Ellie said, it's kind of rate can cover a lot of benefits, so to speak, because you kind of handle them on your own side. But I've had plenty of candidates willing to lower their rates when a company or project has these things. So I think this would be something to like highlight. Those things is like autonomy and like respect. So there's a culture of, we would give you autonomy and like that respect where, you know, if the results are there, we're not going to micromanage. And that is a massive plus hearing it from the things because obviously they can hear about it elsewhere but when they hear it directly from even on the interview or on the job spec it's a massive plus uh, toby
2: and the question is and that's exactly what i thought this is the actual work conditions and it's not like a benefit because this should be part of any kind of job and if you just put in the job that's saying hey you get autonomy and respect uh people like duh uh right so uh Mm. But I see your point. Absolutely. I guess highlighting it,
0: because I, I, I've heard, like, I'm not going to name any companies now, obviously. Um, but yeah, there's some companies who just do not give that same level of autonomy. And obviously, it's one of those things, like it's not a benefit, right? So I guess it's not something you can put on a job ad. But when I hear, like, what is most interesting is like the project being interesting. A, like plan Games has a very interesting, ambitious project. That type of project, to me, when I'm selling to a candidate, is something I can do, which I wouldn't be able to do if it's just a, another kind of mobile game that's been live for five years, for example. It's just, is a different, there's new tech they can explore. This it will be really good on their CV. That's another thing. And like in terms of a benefit, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this can be phrased of a benefit, but like remote culture, that's been a big thing for me. Like if there's a very good remote culture, like um like there's a good kind of process behind that again it's not a benefit it's kind of like this is how we do things but i feel like those three things came out to me like when i mentioned those things that's when i kind of do we like yeah i mean i'd 100% rather work for that type of company than another one and you know willing to go down on rate i mean personally i love fruit baskets i mean it's nice i, I don't have to i don't have to pay for fruit it's awesome uh, but i can understand why it can feel like hey fruit basket it's like it's a nice to have maybe don't shout about it from the rooftops but like you're not going to scoff at it that's for sure
1: mm-hmm. i think it's definitely uh that people value what their workplace potential workplace is going to be like just like what type of co-workers am i going to have what type of work environment is going to be uh how is my work life balance going to be like the benefits are like I don't know, a fruit basket or a gym membership is just like, I guess a nice side benefit, uh, like you mentioned, Harry, but it's just uh, a lot of times uh, uh, I think people just really want to have a a nice workplace where they uh, just feel safe and they feel uh, that they're getting challenged and that they can grow and that the project is interesting. I think those uh, probably stand out a lot more than saying like, oh, you have dental care. I mean, it can be nice in some countries where dental care might might be very expensive, but uh, we also want to make sure that people want to stick around uh, for the work and the company uh, and not just say like, I'll stay for the dental care. Uh, <laughs> that's it.
0: No, 100%. I have one question to you guys uh, on compensation packages, because I feel like this is kind of benefit related. What do we think about vesting like stock options or profit sharing? Because... Uh, I've had a lot of candidates, you know, they're obviously very interested. Sometimes if the options are like, yeah, in three years, you will get 40%. And then five years, you get 100%. It can be really like, Jesus Christ, you know, basically never going to see that. So like, if you do, if any of your companies have something like that, or you've experienced that before, uh, kind of any thoughts on that as a benefit? Anyone can kind of chime in. <laughs> I'm going to have to single
2: someone out. Um, Toby, have you experienced that yourself? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, we're also looking into this right now, how to distribute these uh, shares among our people, we Do not have an arbitrary process, but a structured approach uh, to this. It's not easy. Um, because there's a lot of legal requirements about it. And then also depends on the position, obviously, of how many shares that you would get. Um, and again, putting this into the job ad would be tricky because people don't know what to expect. If you just tell them you could have some share, some equity in the company, it wouldn't be very specific, right? And then it is for many positions, for the most senior positions, especially it is part of the whole compensation package uh, at Clang right now. Yes. And I've seen this in many different companies. I mm-hmm.
0: guess okay, some connection to your work. Getting an extra compensation, like either is profit sharing, because I know there's some mobile gaming companies doing it now, even just Unity developers. Like, if, if their game does really well, there's a profit sharing scheme that isn't tied to each person, but tied to the team, whoever's there at the time, I guess. Uh, so, like, you know, obviously that's an that's one benefit that I've heard, uh, at least good feedback uh, initially. But now that sounds pretty cool. Now, any other questions on this topic, or should we move on? <laughs> we move on. Lovely. Uh, Margaret. What is your question in the context behind it?
1: Uh, so my question uh, basically comes down to uh, how responsible or how much responsibility should a company take if their employees get sick due to the company's work environment uh i think as i as we have talked about before work and life balance is becoming more important uh, to developers and also uh, the fact that uh, a work environment is healthy gaming is a stressful uh can be a very high stress development uh, place and uh, you know it's very common to read or talk with people that have uh, uh, have been getting like levels of uh, anxiety depression burnout uh, I know there's like some level of company insurance that uh, the companies can dip into when employees get sick, but what if someone gets sick and they fall outside of that insurance? How much uh, responsibility should a company take?
0: All right. Ellie, any thoughts on this?
3: Um, I think this is a really difficult one to judge because there's like a, a big difference between you know like a, a workplace accident where it's you know if somebody's on a building site and there's an accident where you're physically injured that's very easy to quantify that that was definitely you know caused by safety, safety procedures not being followed or something like that in which case there's a very clear line of where the responsibility lies and and you know there'll be legal requirements for the company to to uh follow and provide care as a result of that and most countries i should hope (laughs) and uh but but what we see often these days is people suffering with um certain mental health issues and and stress and anxiety and just and a lot of that is is very heavily contributed to their work from their work environment but also you know it that can't take full account for it it may be some people are more prone to, to feeling stress or, or maybe to do with other factors in their life or in the work and especially, you know, we've been through some very tough times with, with the pandemic and the economic situation and, and wars and all of these things. And it it all contributes to to people's sort of wellness and their, their mental well being. Um that being said, you know, if there's if there's a situation where someone has has clearly been suffering because of a work environment i think there's a responsibility for the company to do everything they can within reason to to improve that environment and make it as as comfortable as possible for that person uh there again there are, you should have some legal protections there uh, most companies will have some sort of processes in place for how they deal with that but um yeah, that question of like, where do you draw the line? Because it's it's all very well to, to give support as much as you can for someone who is suffering. But if you get to the point where they are not doing the job they're hired for, unable to, for like a very prolonged period of time, and you're trying these things... Yeah, it's difficult to see where to draw that line. And certainly, I know as a manager, it, there's always this danger when I'm when I'm talking to people if they they are dealing with these sorts of things. There's that temptation we naturally have to like become their counselor in some way and try and help more than it's really your professional responsibility to. And in fact, you can do more harm than good if you start trying to overhelp in these situations. Um, Yeah, it's a really difficult one to set the balance. And I don't work in HR. I don't have any qualifications in that area. So it's it's not not something I know in depth about. Certainly, from what I've experienced at the companies I've worked for and from talking to other people, um, I think quite often um, it's it's important for, for a company to acknowledge it and do what they can you know if, if you can offer flexible working arrangements if you can you know give people time give them support in that way to make sure they can seek the help the help that they need that that's important but the company still has to has to run its business you know and there there has to be a line drawn there where, where sometimes it's like um it's it's unfortunate but but you can you can't solve every problem that everyone has
2: Uh, Toby, thoughts on that? So please excuse me. Germany, we have a saying, uh, if the only tool you have is a hammer, you see nails everywhere. So um, um, I'm a psychologist and a people person, so I just see people matters in there all the way. So one aspect from my side would be um, the company has responsibility to create the work conditions for every single person that are safe. In Germany there are some regulations around this that you have to use have to have job safety assessments for every company which most companies do not do to be honest um at the same time it's not scalable to from, for me as a head of people anyone in my team to go around and ask hey how's your job you know is it okay how do you feel and do that on a daily basis so i think the scalable solution for this is leadership development which i see now coming to the more startup scene not happening regularly. So not many leaders have been trained in leadership, in situation leadership, in dealing with different people, with different seniority levels, um, breaking down tasks and making sure the tasks fit a skill set uh, of a person or understanding if a person actually needs support or knowing how to support that direct report right so i think that's the company responsibilities to, to responsibility to set up leaders and also to set up a structure for leaders to support each other and like peer coaching circles or something so they would feel open to say i've got someone i don't know what to do with them because um, i've been there and i think a lot of leaders have been there um and then they need someone to turn to turn to so workload management but also in the current situation in my previous jobs one aspect throughout Corona was the additional stress of virtual and remote work and virtual leadership. So no one was really equipped where I come from for this sort of thing and how engaging people in this, how giving people the, the social stimulation that they've gotten previously through their job that they have no longer gotten in a way that would make them feel comfortable or even have them stay healthy um and so i think these are systematic aspects that a company would have to take care of to identify early and to say hey we're working remotely now what do we have to change we have to enable our people managers in virtual leadership but we also have to enable our people in how do i engage myself in order to stay healthy Um, So this is something we'll be doing in the future, to have like a meeting etiquette on you know, telling people it's okay to schedule regular coffee chats with other people, just as you would meet them at the coffee machine in the kitchen. It's okay to just schedule a 10-minute call to talk to someone, which is not directly related to work. So it's completely fine and necessary even because we're all humans and we need this interaction, most of us um, do. Um, I'd also think with every individual case that is presented, uh it is necessary to look if there are systematic reasons behind it so is there like um a system in place that is not just like adding to individual and personal matters that that person might have you you never know what's going on at home right um so this is something that we should look at with every individual case and what we do at klang what i actually think is great we've got a lot of people working with us from different countries they move to Germany, they don't know how the health system is, which is actually quite good. Um, but we've got this emergency assistance program. So the hotline that people can talk, there's some mental health professionals and they can talk to them and they would also be able to give them guidance on um, whom to call, where to go to and would like be able to provide some immediate relief. And something, just one thing to add, I think another aspect uh, that we have to do as people managers, but we also have to do from a company side is create an environment by talking about this openly where people feel that it's okay to be out sick if it's necessary, because sometimes we just get overwhelmed with certain situations in life throughout our personal life cycle, too. Right. Having to take care of parents or sick children or partner or something like this. And then to create an environment and say, hey, if you're not able to deliver it right now, 100 percent, we can talk about different uh, time uh, times that you work and give flexible working hours or even reduce working hours for a while. Or even say, well, you know, go to a doctor, tell them how you feel. If they write you a sick note, then you're sick. And, you know, don't worry about it. We get it done. That'd be my idea around this. Back to you, Harry. Nice. Yeah. Lovely.
0: And back to Paula.
4: Yeah, uh, that was really good, Toby. I think the more that we uh, strive to stay away from you're an employee, you're a number only valid when you produce. And, and I take decisions thinking of you like a robot that has no, cannot get burned out, cannot get uh, discouraged. Uh, life doesn't happen to you. The more that we can be away from that, the better. Uh, and on a much broader scale i would say like besides having these thermometers uh, in which way possible like retrospectives or 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 talking one on ones or or yeah there are a bunch of tools for that i think companies need to 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 be a bit more empathetic like if we we have a a huge uh, crunch that happened you cannot keep people at this high level all the time probably you need than a cool down period like what what do you expect if you push and push and push and never
1: uh, yeah I, w- I would say that
0: lovely back to you Margaret. any thoughts on that
1: yeah i really like what uh, paula and toby uh, especially were suggesting it's really awesome to hear that in germany or that in kong that there are, there are so many like really awesome support systems uh in place uh, to help their employees but it just uh, I don't know it personally grinds my gears a lot that uh, that there's a lot of talk about company loyalty and that developers are working their asses off <laughs> for uh, a game uh, which we're all really passionate about and it's sort of like uh it's really sad to see really good developers like getting burned out or getting like completely uh, incapacitated by the stress of the work and i do think uh just mental health channel challenges that we're facing uh it is stuff that we need to be much more open about and honest uh, as an industry and uh, really try to set up systems that uh, that can encourage the developers to say okay like i need a mental health day or uh like i uh, like we, like you guys also mentioned like maybe a flexible days that you maybe work a little bit less hours for a, a certain time period um i understand corporations have to run and they have to make uh, <laughs> money and they need to get their investment back but uh, you know it's not robots who are making these games it's uh, people <laughs>
2: Margaret, might, might I, I even think it's the most economic decision to 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 care about this? Because if you just drag on with this, uh, being overwhelmed and burned out, and uh, you, you will not be as productive as you can be. I've seen this in, with myself in the past. So, like taking a step back for a while, I think even as a company would be the most economic decision. Um, so I think it goes hand in hand.
1: Yeah, I but agree. You- as somehow it's not being seen that way. <laughs>
0: It's definitely been seen that way in some studios, but like Margaret said, not all, which is interesting. Cause I feel like um I don't know, like when you run out of candidates and you realize no one's applying, then maybe it clicks. uh, uh but until then, maybe you feel like you can just get away with it, so to speak. Uh I really liked what Ellie was saying, and I feel like it kind of links to like the sphere of influence when it comes to like what a company can and cannot do. Like I feel like once a company knows, like if the issue isn't company work related, then there's only so much you can do and trying to fix it might do more damage than good. But if it's like market example, it's literally a crunch and you're like, oh, he's doing twice the work as normal. Uh, so it seems it's like, let's do that for another two months. Why not? And then it's just not the best long-term strategy. And yeah, I mean, when it comes to being proactive on this, at least what we do at Evolution, uh, we've stole a lot of the stuff from Swedish kind of techno really so we have fika, especially with the remote stuff so we have a weekly fika like thursday friday which you can join if you want to that's really nice when everyone's working from home and weekly what's one-to-one a fika harry what's, what's a
2: fika
0: i will explain this being a more Cypriot british guy i guess um uh, the fika is where you have coffee and cake and you're not allowed to talk about work in sweden it's pretty much every day we do it twice a week only on like remote mostly days so we usually just either play games or just chat around do a little quiz or something just for half an hour and it's just it's a nice thing to look forward to because then you're like oh i'm gonna really crunch have a nice speaker and then crack on Uh, it's just a nice focus time which i think it's a no-brainer especially if most people are remote that day daily cake is everyone morbidly (laughs) obese no Um... no no somehow ellie yeah i was
3: gonna say i've seen a lot of Sort of articles and and like radio shows and things bringing up the subject of of quiet quitting recently, yeah. uh, because there are a lot of people you know suffering suffering quite badly from from work induced stress and and anxiety, and to me the the concept feels really alien because I feel like I wouldn't be able to quiet quit because I am not putting in excessive hours. I just. I feel like I would burn out so fast in a job like that that I've actively avoided them, um, and I think you know that that really shows it's so damaging. And you hear all these horror stories of studios where they they do push people into like huge amounts of crunch and stuff. Um, and one of the, these articles I, I saw recently about this, someone had uh, put a statement out about how it's not a manager's responsibility to make you happy. And I kind of had this, like, reaction to this this statement because I was like, well, uh, on one part, no, it's not. It's their responsibility to make sure the job gets done. But in order to do that, the happiness of your employees is a huge part of that, you know, and it's not like throw money at them and give them expensive holidays or or, you know make all their dreams come true happy but it it's important that a company cares about providing an environment where people do not feel unhappy where it's not actively hurting them and damaging them and i think that absolutely should be a manager's responsibility and now we're seeing lots and lots of, of companies are introducing you know um Uh, mental health first aiders so that they've got people qualified to like look out for for those sort of problems and and help people in that way as well as your your physical first aiders um you've got training at my company we have training for all of our people managers on um helping employees in crisis employees who are, are potentially suffering from from these sort of things uh we have flexibility in our working hours to, you know, make sure, you know, if somebody's having a really bad day, I will just talk to them. I'll be like, just go home. If you want to go home, finish, you know, it's, you can do that. And I think that having that flexibility is, is hugely contributing to how productive people can be and how, how long they can keep going and how likely you are to retain them in that job as well. And they won't go shopping to go work somewhere else.
0: Go for it, Paula.
4: Yeah, I think that is really great. Like having these systems in line, uh, because you, if you don't, you get two situations. Like you get the revolving door, people leaving, and yeah, I got this other offer. This is burning me out. I, I am getting out. Or you get the really vulnerable people stuck in a very uh, unhealthy environment. Uh, as, a, as an immigrant, uh, I sometimes try to, to be extra careful of that because living, I, I don't have a support network. I, I'm not in this country or I depend on the visa or, or whatever the reason it is. Uh, you get stuck into these situations where, where there is not, not a clear uh, way out. So when we have these structures to alleviate uh, this uh, stress or, or, or these uh, mental health issues, I, I think it's really important.
0: Hundred percent. I'm just thinking now. Recently, look, when I got sick, but I had meetings booked in the day, and I was like, I'll just work remotely from home. And then I know some of my team did the same thing as well. And then my manager Paul, you know, had to come in and say, like, look, please take the day off, rearrange them. Like, you're not gonna be hundred percent there for those calls and especially for people who have a lot of stuff like kind of pre-booked in it can be hard to say take a sick day when you're like i can just do it remotely it's like kind of having that reflecting like no just take the day to reset otherwise you're gonna make the kind of recovery period a lot longer than it needed to be and kind of one thing to kind of catch these things early i found really helpful for myself is just a weekly one-to-one where the chat is just you know challenges what's going on, home and at work. And if that happens from like a top-down perspective, you have a weekly one-to-one to catch things every week. It doesn't have to be long, 15 minutes even. And I feel like if that happens with everyone, there's a lot of stuff you can nip in the bud uh, earlier, which is nice, rather than it happening like two months ago. Like, oh, well, why didn't we see this earlier?
2: Cool. Uh, let's move on. Trick. Go on. Uh, Harry, if, if I can add, I think the trickiest part for me is in people management to make this clear. Um, Uh, Because many things are implicit and they're not written down somewhere, like when you're sick, go home. Implicitly, I think we all agree, but I think many companies, I've never seen any company I've worked at say, when you're sick, please go home. This is company policy right? Or my people manager saying proactively, even before I got sick, when you're sick, by the way, please go home. I've never seen this. so I think ooh, there should be a structure in place doing this. Uh, Paula, you're nodding as well.
4: Yeah, uh, I think it is especially challenging now. Uh, I remember Clang, they have a 32 nationalities or something like that at the time I was working and it's a cultural thing for us uh, latin american people like you cannot get sick like uh, work is your identity and we don't know you change countries you start working uh, somewhere else and 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 then you get all these benefits and you don't know. <laughs> and you continue with this mentality of, of crunch because it's so ingrained in you unnecessarily. So I think being transparent in that and, and please take care of yourself policy is really, really important. Uh, yeah. What
0: I find really helpful is them say in a selfish way, like, if you don't take these days off, this will be bad for the business. And then you're like, okay, fine, I'll do it. You know, like, in the sense, like, you're not going to be doing the same good work, then you can actually like, believe them. They're not just trying to be nice. Even though, they're also trying to be nice but I feel like sometimes when like people uh I guess like you know people from like the communities you were saying Paolo I like, think no I need to do the work it's like no just you're not going to do the same work let's do the, the recovery you know I obviously like you but yeah it's good for the business as well maybe that just nips it in the bud so they can actually take the time off awesome let's move on to the next question Ellie what is your question and the context behind it
3: Okay, I think I worded my question slightly clumsily, but uh, here goes. Uh, my question is, how do you coach your teams to find alignment on when discussing things? Uh, so, so the background on this is really my thinking is that a lot of, and we we've touched on this a bit, a lot of people's like happiness in the job and, and uh, is is based around you know feeling autonomous, feeling like they have some sort of, um, uh, I can't think of the word, um, agency, have it, having agency in what you're doing, you know, being part of the decisions, being able to to have control about, about the work and things like that. Um, and one of the things that makes people unhappy is when they feel that they're not being listened to when they're not able to speak up in discussions, when they're, butting heads with each other and and having disagreements and and it are it's very easy for if you have somebody who's very confident to just take over every conversation and you end up with quieter members of the team who don't feel like they're they're able to contribute. So how do you coach your whole team to ensure that everyone feels like they're having the opportunity to contribute in in what your teams are doing and that they feel fairly listened to and that there's a genuine compromise between everyone and not just one person dictating what everybody else should
0: do. righty, Paola, what do you think?
4: I think the main thing is uh, what you said, Ellie. Uh, people not feeling heard or safe to express themselves. Uh, I found that Having clear uh, talking terms in meetings helps because some people can be quieter uh, and you always need a mediator uh, when things get heated, <laughs> an impartial mediator uh, to help uh, the flow of the conversation. Uh, otherwise, people feel quite uh, invalidated, I think. And, and once you step onto that territory, it's quite hard uh, to go back into talking and and reasonable uh,
0: discussions. What do you think, Margit?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the same. Uh, You probably need to have a couple of mediators within a company or like within meetings or uh, where where we need to make uh, decisions to have those in place. Uh, I guess like looking out a little bit for each other to sort of create that type of work culture uh but but that t- takes time and also working uh you know you also need to trust uh, each other a bit on this case that uh, uh p- people don't abuse the power in the end anyways uh, <laughs> and start playing with the, the with their strings to uh, change uh maybe the direction of a feature or to j- change the direction of a conversation Uh, But I think definitely uh, having uh, mediators and also working a lot on your overall company culture and how comfortable you are with sharing uh, what you think. I think there are definitely some people that just really don't care really what happens. They just want to hear what they need to do and then they go off and do it. Uh, But you definitely have also like a lot of more shy people. That may not feel very comfortable to speak out, or even uh, let alone have a potential confrontation with someone. So it's nice if they have a body that they can say uh, that they can sort of hang on to uh, when they're having these more difficult conversations.
0: Quick question for you, Margaret, because this sounds expensive. Because if you had a discussion with two mediators, you know, for every kind of game feature, like where do you draw the line? Like when do you have that type of conversation and when do you just have someone just make the decision let's not spend an hour talking about it i
1: think uh if i look at least at how things have been going at coffee stain it's been like a lot more of a, like a collaborative uh, effort so let's say there's a disagreement on a feature uh that will each make our point uh but of course uh, certain roles in the company carry certain responsibilities Uh, And as a producer, it's my job that, uh, you know, we're working on the right things at the right time and we're not overscoping and we're not uh, uh, burdening the team with unnecessary work um, and much more. Uh, So sometimes it can be like after hearing the discussions and the reasonings why we want to have certain features uh it can let to, uh, sometimes after some conversation or after some arguing it can be like yeah okay uh you were right like let's drop the feature it's okay or sometimes it can be that uh you know there's like maybe something behind it why they keep pushing for something that they're not really be- telling not that they're dishonest about it but just more like there's like this feeling you know like they're just like uh uh i think it's such a cool feature uh, and it would be such a shame to not f- to not to have it in or uh, if it's like the what if feature you know that will change the entire experience uh there, sometimes there just might be like that type of motivation behind it why there might be pushing back uh so like context uh context is, is important with these uh, type of arguments as well Uh, Because I would love to hear like why they are pushing back so much. uh, uh, And like, let's, let's try to find a a middle ground somewhere that we can agree. But uh, yeah, it just depends on how your company culture is, uh, what it's like and how the company is structured and who are usually the decision makers. Uh, So, yeah, could be very expensive.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the reason I brought that up is because I've heard of a
1: couple of Swedish
0: gaming studios, like you mentioned, very collaborative, very democratic, where even like a single developer could hold up a conversation for like multiple days, and until they just convinced that one developer. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, that sounds expensive and like a lot of time where ten people need to be on a call or what have you. And like in my head, I'm like. That is ridiculous. And, you know, in another part of me says, you know, it makes sense. Obviously, we need to have a bit. But there's obviously a middle ground, uh, like we were saying, Margaret. Uh, Toby, over to you. What do you think?
2: So again, hammer and nail, right? So I'm a separation and divorce mediator and I worked in this for, for a long time. Um, so I do like mediation, um, but I also like team learning. And I think if Ellie, if that's a team internal thing, I think the whole team could really benefit from um, taking over facilitation responsibilities, alternating. This is what I've done in the past and uh, not. Just because I'm the people manager doesn't mean I have to facilitate all the team meetings, right? And then introducing actually team training sessions within these fellow facilitations. So to say, for example, for this session and the next three sessions, let's focus on paraphrasing. So before you speak, I've actually done this and it sounds very artificial, but after some time, it feels great. Before you speak, please summarize what the person before you actually said. And you you can only say what you want to say after the other person actually said, That's what they want. That's the point they wanted to make. And you can feel that people say, hey, you know, they, um, yeah, they said this and that, but I want to say, hang on, hang on, hang on. Please summarize. Uh, Please ask the other person, you know, if that actually was what they wanted to say. And they said, no, actually, I wanted to add this and that. And then they want to start again. Yeah, but I want to say, no, 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 no. Please do the same thing again. And you can feel the conversation actually getting slower. And they're actually starting to be understanding Um, And I can see you not, Paula. Over to you.
4: Uh, No, no. I was just thumbs up. So, Margit, uh, you go ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was just saying, like, are you doing workshops as well, Toby? (laughs) (laughs) Because that that stuff sounds super interesting. Yeah, that you're uh, training the, like, uh, behavior that you would like to see uh, or how we treat each other and how we engage into conversations and conflicts. Uh, Yeah, it's also super interesting. It's definitely... Uh, not something that many companies invest time into but it's yeah I can definitely see the value in doing something like that
2: we're not doing this at Clang at the moment to be honest Uh, but this was something that I've done in my teams in the past when it was necessary and I could really feel that this people started to listen to each other and they knew I had to listen in order to be able to speak. And this took off a lot of pressure, I think. you trying to convince the other person of what you want to say, but no, the actual first step is to listen to what the other people say, understand and then speak. And then mostly, I think, the alignment, you're 80% aligned most of the times and you disagree on 20%. And there might still be disagreement in the end. You can't solve every situation like this. But people are much more happy with process and they might be able to accept a outcome that is undesirable for them because they respect the process and they were part of it 100 percent I mean it sounds like couples therapy to me like when I like it
0: it's, it works it's just hearing actually listening and communication is usually the root of all problems in business and in life <laughs> so if we can get that so we uh, can kind of find alignment uh oh back to uh, Ellie uh, just for some closing thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, I'm always amused by considering how sociable human beings are. Like we're we're meant to be social creatures. We're terrible at communicating. Like so many problems are to do with people failing to communicate effectively. And when I first started getting into management uh, and expressed an interest in that, the company I was working for at the time had a leadership training where they had a, had someone come in and do, uh, you know, a, a, like a, I think it was a three day course where you, you learned about like active listening and uh, being able to like negotiate with people and, and how to and ensure that everyone in a group has an opportunity to speak and having awareness of that and being able to, you know, make compromises and and that kind of stuff. And I thought it was so valuable, but it really disappointed me that it was only offered to people moving into those sort of leadership positions and all the rest of the company are just left to try and figure it out themselves and are undoubtedly making those mistakes. Um, At Unity, it's a huge part of the Unity culture, Um, and it's it's quite close to what Marguerite was saying. We spend a huge amount of time making sure that people are all getting to contribute, so a couple of the, the Unity values are in it together, and best ideas win. And so in order to make sure that we're doing these things, it means that everyone has to talk about everything in fine detail. And it's a much slower process than some of the other companies I was used to. Uh, And I think some people who join the company find it a bit of a strange uh, um, adjustment getting used to that culture, but they also make their leadership training available to everyone, which is so good because it gives us sort of a shared language in order to to kind of be on the same page about how you're doing it but it does also take constant practice and and awareness to you know be able to do it effectively and I think you know as a manager I always um I have I have weekly one-to-ones with every member of my team where I ask them how they're doing I ask them about you know how was their weekend you know what, what have you been up to how are you feeling about stuff and then I ask them about their work but when I'm asking about their work it's like I don't Care so much about the technical problems. I really, what I want to know is, is how is that work flowing with the other people? Like, how have the discussions they've had gone? And I find just keeping tabs on people, not in a checking up and micromanaging way, but you know, keeping an awareness of my in, as a manager and making sure they have an opportunity to then go, oh, well, actually. This thing happened, and I wasn't very happy with it. You know, I, I felt unsatisfied in this situation, and it allows me to hopefully, in most cases, get on top of these things before they become problems. You know, keep that sort of awareness. But obviously, it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and I can understand why that's really difficult for a lot of companies. Unity is a huge company with thousands of, of employees, um, and in some ways, because it's so big and it's it's geographically split as well, it's a necessity in order to have that culture to put in the time for that. Um, But it's something I've definitely appreciated having come from companies where they have not done that so well.
0: I I just want to second what you said about uh, training done to not everyone just in leadership positions, because that's what pollution started doing recently. Uh, So we have like a mentorship program where if I'm going to mentor the next kind of intake of, you know, new Harry's, I guess, and and those – you know, I would need to do some uh, leadership course. That is the seven habits course that we do. And it works really well. Like can stuff on communication. And then like Ellie said, until you said it, I didn't realize it. But yeah, shared communication. It just saves a lot of time because we all know because we've been through the course. We know what works, what pitfalls to go. And like you said, save so much time, which is uh, just what around awesome. Getting nearly got emotional for some reason. And cool. Let's move over to Paola. Uh, Final question. What is your question and the context behind it?
4: Yeah. Uh, My question is, how do we create and maintain an office environment that feels safe and comfortable for women and minorities? And the background is, I think, pretty obvious. (laughs) Uh, I am uh, part of the LGBT community. community. I'm a woman. I'm an immigrant. And yeah, that is of interest to me.
0: (laughs) All righty. Markit, thoughts?
1: I feel this is such a hard one to answer. Like we talked about this at uh, Donna Day as well. Um, And it was just uh, a very mixed uh, responses. But I think overall it still relates to like what the overall work culture is uh, within your company. Um, I I wonder sometimes, like I know uh, certain organizations will do like... um, Anonymous uh, questionnaires that you could fill out, uh, just to sort of measure how what sort of the company vibe is uh, going on. But I still wonder how effective those really are. If, uh, uh, like you mentioned, women and minorities in the in the game industry are not the largest group uh, within a company, oftentimes. So I don't really know if uh, all the retrospectives that we're doing and questionnaires if they really reflect. Uh, how people are feeling within a company uh, or that particular group of people, how they really would feel in a company. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this is a really tough one to actually answer.
0: <laughs> how about you, Ellie? What do you think?
3: I think it's such an important thing because there's so much evidence that diversity in all aspects improves company performance like it's really distressing for me when i find that you have so many companies out there and so many people out there who still don't see the value in making sure that you have diversity in your teams and that you have that you know equality and inclusion in in your environment um and it's it's you know, I think there's progress being made, but it's far too slow, and I wish it was was better. I, I wish every company and every employee had unconscious bias training, um, had diversity and inclusion training. You know, just to to recognize, you know, why it's important, and and how to kind of avoid the things that that people do that make things so unpleasant for people who are are in these marginalized groups. You know, there's so many little like microaggressions and things that, that people do without ever realizing they're doing and not with with any ill intent in most cases you know it's it's not an intentional thing but it, it's yeah it's just really unfortunate that there's not more awareness given to it and I think um it's being talked about more and more now and I think that's great um but but yeah there's still a lot of work to do
2: how about you, Toby? I don't have an answer to this. <laughs> it's very, it's very tough. Um, I think there are a few because also the term diversity is so broad, right? I mean, I'm visually impaired, so so for me, that's one aspect of diversity uh, that I think is like dis- disabilities are often overlooked. I think in diversity um, and accessibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's not so bad Like I can work. I just have this massive screen, so this is not a bad thing. But so just to say like diversity is such a broad thing to do and working with people from so many different aspects, I think one aspect uh, from so many different cultures, I think one aspect is to create a culture where everyone feels comfortable enough to share if there is anything um, that is holding them back from contributing the most of themselves to the team. Um, and that that already is hard because in some cultures like German culture, it's quite okay to speak up, right? To be honest and upfront about it. Not everyone does, but you know, it's kind of expected even in some other cultures, it's might be considered rude. Um, so I think this is already a tricky part. I think some structures a company can have is when it comes to, Um, enforcing equality between certain diverse groups, for example, in promotion processes. So having not ad hoc promotional process where we say, hey, actually, uh, this person's doing great, let's promote them, but doing this through a system where we actually look at the whole team behind it. So we challenge these aspects not to promote people who shout the loudest or who are just the most visible, but actually talking about, what skills do you have in the team what are the other people in the team and what are the skills for the new role that you'll be looking at so who'd actually be the best fit right now um considering this because from my experience not a client but previously um different stations i did not feel that always the best person for the new position was promoted but just the person that was very well connected within the company or the leadership team, or um, very loud, um, very dominant, maybe sometimes in some environments I worked at in the past. So I think this is something um, I think an HR our contact should always be there and accessible. The question is, how do you make these people accessible and to make people understand that it's okay to actually go somewhere and it's a safe environment? I don't have an answer to this. I think one other aspect. For people to feel included is to show to put your money where your mouth is. So when you increase salaries, to check for gender biases, that's what we do in this in our compensation cycle that we do right now. We check how much did we increase the salary of female or diverse employees, and how much did we increase the male uh, salaries, and compare it. And if the male group got a much higher pay grade, their uh, pay raise, then this is probably not right because, uh, that shouldn't be, um, you could do a lot of different bias trainings in recruiting and so on. But overall, I think that doesn't answer like that, that. That doesn't solve the, the broader aspect of it. So I think there's a few things that we could do, but I don't have an answer for the organizational or wide level.
0: What do you think Paola in terms of like a practical thing to make minorities and women feel safe and comfortable? because Ellie did touch on a practical thing, like literally just diversity training for everyone, even yeah. if it's not like a two-week intensive course, that seems doable. What do you think could be done?
4: I think that is, uh, there are two main points, that one, uh, training, uh, and of course, uh, try to hire inclusively, because when you get these large groups of sameness, then then you get like this otherness, right? Uh, I, said, I would say that... Uh, HR also needs some sensitivity training in, in what diversity is. Uh, sometimes I, I have not felt that there was too much knowledge about that. Uh, I, again, what Toby said about, uh, promotions, like clear pathways on, on who gets the promotion and, and why, and, and how to reach those promotions, like that clarity and transparency is, is super necessary. And one thing that was also mentioned before in, in another topic is like uh, clear uh, speaking terms, because that's a thing too uh, in meetings. That sometimes, uh, when there's a gender bias, some people that are loudest or, or, or that there's a bias that they, they, they will be more ca- capable, they t- tend to uh, monopolize a bit the conversation. Uh, and I would say, as well, uh, creating clear and safe pathways to report. Anything that should happen, uh, that is not that the person uh, going through some something weird uh, needs to to be quiet. No, that that should be super safe and super clear who to talk to. Uh, I think this uh, it's a challenging time, but these are good challenges because we have uh, so much intersectionality, uh, and it is scary for moments like to 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 mess up but it's also important to to know how to to bounce back from from whatever mess up we, you you can make uh, making a, a flexible environment uh, yeah so there's no no hard hard damage done because it is a growing process it's not a clear answer on how to proceed
0: no i like i like all of the things i've just heard i mean i'm thinking back to like evolution's promotion structure it sounds I guess we're lucky because there's clear numbers KPIs right and doesn't matter who you are you will get promoted once you get this if you pass a promotional interview where you demonstrate like collaboration ambition and innovation well uh, so anyone can kind of do that but like Ellie said before, you can kind of, that's where you can say, wait a minute, haven't really been that collaborative. He's actually did something damaging here. And I think in game development, I know EA, they have a laundry list of like things that this is what the role should do. And I feel like when there's a promotion, the more clear cut and like very clear, like this is what the new thing would do. Why can you do that? Uh, If there's a very long list rather than, game developer, senior game developer, you know, if there's a long list of what a senior is expected to do, then you can just like pitch, like, look, I can do that. Look, I've demonstrated this beforehand. I've already done a bit of that and then that should make you, I guess, less, you know, biased. But honestly, what we like I've heard people say it, it's just higher my more minorities and women otherwise it's going to be hard to get that going I feel like Paola said that you're going to have the otherness feeling if you're just starting from scratch like you might need to kind of just ramp up a little bit because as Ellie said diversity on average will make your kind of company make more money so you like there is a reason to do it that isn't just you know in a checkbox so to speak like he actually does something i mean i actually realized two weeks in i was like pretty much everyone on my team has either done a lot of traveling or just very eclectic people like this is not very like everyone's the same uh cookie cutter and i think just being proactive on that and looking for that kind of bit of uh, extra flair i guess to people because it, it adds a lot and like politics just makes it hopefully you know feel more comfortable like coming into it awesome i think we'll leave you there guys that was It's really really nice I want to take this opportunity to thank Margit, Toby, Ellie and Paula for providing their insights and this has been the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast thank you everyone at home for listening if you would like to get involved with one of our upcoming podcasts or just want to chat reach out to me on LinkedIn at Harry Foku Foku is spelt P-H-O-K-O-U